Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we have a show that um, should be of great interest to all of you, particularly now during COVID. Who are we most uh, dependent upon should we or our loved one get sick? That would be nurses. So today the show is, why are nurses quitting when we need them most? And to talk to us to answer that question uh, is my guest, Nancy Congleton. She is an RN. She is the author of Autopsy of the NP, Dissecting the Nurse Profession Piece by Piece. She has been a nurse for over 17 years. Um, She's been in the NICU, the uh, neonatal intensive care unit, the emergency room, and in case management. And so she, she's been around the block when it comes to nursing, and she's going to be taking us behind the scenes and letting us know what is really going on. So welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with one of the things that always interested me was um, who decides to become a nurse? Uh, you know, what, what, in other words, what psychological profile uh, is of the pers- of women, or usually women, but it's not nowadays there are more and more men actually entering the, the nursing profession. But um, so, what is it in there? I mean, everything has to do with your family and childhood and all of that. So, what is it in a nurse's childhood that makes her enter the profession? I don't know if that's something that you've thought about, but what what you start with telling us about you? What made you want to become a nurse? Well, to be perfectly honest, my husband and I have been married a couple of years, and we were just flat out thinking financially. Um, we both worked full-time jobs. We had a small, uh, cute little house, and our cars were not, you know, fast and furious or anything. So we were doing it, it appeared everything right, but we just weren't uh, where we needed to be. And so when I was younger, I had had an awe, a respect for the medical profession, but during this time, those thoughts came back. And so I started investigating, you know, how long to be in college to start off as a nurse and uh, approximately how much they made. And that is initially what brought me into the nursing profession. Now, well, well let, me then, just, let me just interrupt you for a minute to um, ask wow. you what... How far had you gone? Like, what had you done before you made this decision to go towards nursing? What were you doing, and what education had you had? Well, I had a liberal arts degree, um, which was an associate's degree, and then I also had an associate's degree in alcohol and drug abuse counseling, which those are really foundation degrees that if you're going to do anything with them, you're going to have to to build on them. I had sold real estate for a little bit. I came from a family of uh, those in real estate, and my family did really well. It just ended up not being my knack, my thing. Uh, So I had done that, and then I had worked for an abstract company uh, for a while. 
So I had, you know, done things that weren't related to the medical field. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So then you started looking into nursing. Go ahead. Yes. And, you know, I discovered that I could be uh, a registered nurse with an associate degree in about three years. And I knew that I was going to be starting off, you know, making more money than what I was doing some of the other things I had done. And I knew, you know, there was a flexibility of hours and different areas to choose from. So there were definitely things about it that were appealing. So that's what I did. I went on that path. And um, did did you find it? Well, apparently you got into nursing school. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, was that a, a difficult thing to do at the time that you were doing it? It was. Um, you know, I was fortunate that my grades were high enough that um, I got in the first time I applied. So I didn't have to be on a waiting list. Um, There were others that did, but I was very fortunate that my grades were good enough to get me through the first time around. So I didn't have to, you know, find something else to do for a semester or two. I was able to to go into it. Uh Uh-huh. And so, okay, so now your passion is um, reaching people who are, well, actually, let me... uh, (laughs) I, I, while I was while we were on the topic of while I was saying that uh, I like to look at what people's people who become nurses what their childhoods were, I often have found and you don't have to uh, I, I don't I'm not asking for you to reveal anything that's too personal but <laughs> and it certainly it isn't in it, it isn't in every case but what I have found for women at least in, in a lot of cases uh, women who have become nurses is that they came from a family where their father was an alcoholic. And they developed at an early age um, a kind of desire to um, take care of their father, like they felt compassionate towards their father and um, wanted to, you know, just take care of him, basically. And that then engendered um, a bigger uh, desire to take care of people in general. Have regardless, you know, I don't know what you want to say about yourself, but have you noticed that in the nurses, all the many nurses that you have dealt with? Well, you know, to be perfectly honest, that wasn't the case of my father. Um, he was uh, very, 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 very religious, and so he did not drink at all. Um, but it, it just makes sense. Like hearing you talk about that, about learning to take care of someone else at a young age, it makes sense that some of those who did have fathers, you know, who were alcoholics, that they would, would end up going into the nursing profession, would follow that path. So it didn't happen for me that way, but it definitely makes sense. Well, now, what was the thing, before you became a nurse, you just mentioned that you had become a counselor in alcohol and drugs. What made you interested in that? Well, I had, I was interested in helping people. I was interested in counseling. And at the time that I applied for that degree, and up until one semester from when I had it, you could take that degree and there were quite a bit of jobs that you could kind of get into uh, entry level as far as counseling, group uh-huh. counseling, different things of that nature. But, you know, right right before, like the semester before I was done, 
some of the laws in Oklahoma changed and uh, they become more strict. So I wasn't going to be able to get into some of those places I had already looked into unless I built on that degree. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Okay. So why don't you... um, Now, I I read a little bit of your book, some of your book. It looks very... I love the style of it because it's very, you know, it's kind of like just having a conversation. Um, And you start off by um, talking about how, you know, you're passionate about helping people who think they might want to go into nursing or or who have started nursing or who are in nursing because you made a lot of mistakes when you started and you wish you knew some of these things um, beforehand. So you want to help other people to not have to go through the trial and error learning that you did. Um, so tell us about, take, take us behind the scenes of nursing these days and, um, and what you want people to know about, well, not just what you want people to know who are considering nursing, but also all of us as far as, uh, especially now with where we're so dependent upon nurses. Well, you know, I'll kind of back up for, for just a second, um, you know, for me, it's like I got out into the nursing profession and I was just hit with so many things I wasn't prepared for. You know, I was prepared for, you know, the drugs, the disease, the death, all of the guts of the profession, but I was hit with so many situations that none of my instructors had talked about, none of the nursing textbooks covered, and that was what was caught, caught me off guard more than just learning how to be a nurse. And so that's what my purpose is with my book is I just want to bridge the gap. You know, all those gray areas about the profession that you don't know until you're out there in it. I want to talk about those gray areas, bring them to light, give people examples on how to get through them or how to handle them so that these new nurses go out there and they go, oh, yeah, I was told about that. Or, okay, I know how to deal with this over here. So that's, you know, that's what I'm hoping to accomplish. Okay, so why don't you give us some examples? So one of the examples is that, you know, you go to nursing school to learn how to become a nurse. But the reality is that nursing school doesn't cover everything you need to know. If it did, my goodness, we would be in nursing school, you know, for years and years and years. You know, what it does is it kind of touches on the nursing profession, Um, some of the basics of it, and then it goes into a little bit of pediatric nursing, a little bit of ER nursing, a little bit of medical surgical nursing, but then there's a lot of it that's not covered. So it's it's a lot of covering the surface on some issues. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I so what... uh, Go ahead. No, I just say the problem that that presents is, you know, you get out of nursing school, you go into a specialty, and to be honest, if you want to succeed in that specialty, you need to pull out that textbook and read it cover to cover. You need to zero in. It's like you kind of got the surface in nursing school about lots of things, but then you have to really zero in and do some studying on your own to come up to where you need to be in that area. Hmm. So, but aren't there, I mean, there's a period of, um, like, being, um, working in the hospital, right, and being supervised, isn't there? There absolutely is. There's an orientation process, which even now, I think that's more difficult than what it was, you know, 17 years ago when I was out there. But, 
you know, your orientation, it doesn't cover everything you need to know. Not every situation is going to come up during that orientation that, that that new nurse is going to experience. So you're still left with having that responsibility of learning a lot on your own. Well, what about, um, in addition to the, the, the substance, you know, the, like you were, that you were talking about needing to read additional books and so on, um, I would imagine there were other, you know, uh, kinds of issues that they don't teach you in nursing school that, that are more sort of practical um, interactions with people and legal issues and things like that. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the sections that I have in my book is um, about relationships. And I have five different relationship dynamics that I go into. I, you know, I talk about, and I think this is a, a something that we don't think about. You know, nurses, we think, oh, we're going to have a relationship with our patients. And we do. But then there's that relationship between, you know, nurses and doctors and nurses and then the family members of patients and support staff. There's, you know, quite a few other relationships that just go hand in hand with being a nurse and what we deal with every day. Mm-hmm. And so what are the things that um, you learned the hard way with that? <laughs> well, like with uh, providers, I learned to approach them according to their personality and demeanor. If I go up to a provider that's, uh, you know, very easygoing and laid back and I'm very serious, then a lot of times, you know, they'll look at me like, oh, just relax, Nancy. Stop, you know, stop being so OCD. Just relax. What's going on? What do you need? <laughs> you know, so uh-huh. I've learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I've learned to approach them according to their personality. If they're serious, I approach them in a serious tone. If they're laid back, I approach them in a laid back manner. So that's, you know, that's one of the things. And then the other thing is if I've got several things to talk to with a doctor, I take a list. I take a list. I write everything down. I take notes. I don't want to have to go back to them and ask them what they said. So that's definitely mm-hmm. something I learned the hard way. <laughs> Yeah. What about, um, how would you say, well, let's talk about, I mean, one of the interesting things, of course, the, you know, uh, are you, well, you have worked in an NICU, in the ER, and in case management. So what are your, um, how are things now where you work um, because in, the, in this time of COVID? Right. So, Where I am at now, I work at an urgent care clinic. I've been there for over five years. So when COVID came out, the main thing was that every little bit, something was changing. Our policy was changing, how we screened patients, who we saw versus who we referred to call the COVID hotline versus who we recommended to set up with a virtual appointment to see somebody. It was just constantly, constantly changing you know, the information we, we got and what to do. Uh-huh. And now I think we've settled in a little bit, a little bit more. <laughs> now that it's been a while, you know, there's not so many changes coming down the pike. But there, at first, lots of changes, constant changes. And um, what is it like? I mean, I want to get into sort of the nitty-gritty of things. Um, you know, what is it like being a nurse um, before? With COVID, without COVID, I mean, all of the, like the bedpans and the, um, 
you know, all of the, like, dealing with patients' um, most personal, intimate, in, in the most personal, intimate kind of way, dealing with body fluids, dealing with um, the families, you know, just t- don't, don't leave, don't uh, try to be polite. Just tell us. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested in why, like, you know, the whole idea of why nurses are quitting. One of the reasons is because um, they're tired of, of, you know, the just the, what, the raw, <laughs> the raw um, things that they are in, in contact with every day. Now, we only have um, a minute left to this segment, so we should probably, uh, um, you know, take a break now before you, and so I don't have to interrupt you. But um, when we come back, I really want to talk about, I mean, don't feel, I feel like you're thinking you have to be polite. You don't. <laughs> I want to, you know, I'm okay. a doctor. I, I handled, I was, I've worked in hospitals. Um, I mean, before I did my psychiatry residency, I did a um, two and a half years of medicine, surgery, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm very well aware of what goes on. And uh, I don't just sit on the couch and say, uh-huh. So I would like you to take us deeper into what nurse, I mean, it's not all, it's not all pleasant. Um, right. So I'd like you to, when we come back, I'd like you to just tell it like it is. We're talking today with Nancy Congleton, and she's an RN. Um, she has written a book called The Autopsy of the NP, uh, Dissecting the Nursing Profession Piece by Piece. So stay tuned, and we'll get down and dirty when we come back. <laughs> the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Don't write yourself off. 
And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about why are nurses quitting when we need them most. And we are talking to Nurse Nancy, Nancy Congleton, um, who is an RN. She's worked at the NICU, ER, and in case management um, for 17 years. And... um, and she is, she just sounds as sweet as pie. <laughs> she sounds like the nurse you would want to have um, taking care of you, whether it was COVID or anything else. And um, and I have asked her to get more into the nitty gritty in terms of um, telling us what nurses really are feeling and what she has felt and what and what she has. I mean, for example. Um, Nancy, you know, you were talking about relationships. Now, you know, as I was saying, I have spent years um, before becoming a psychiatrist and doing a psychiatry residency. I spent years um, doing a rotating sub-internship in surgery, pediatrics, internal medicine, and gynecology, and then a, a year of straight medicine. And so, you know, I am very familiar with the kinds of, um, with what it's like to be on a hospital ward and to work with nurses and all of that. Um, and so, for example, you were talking about relationships, and yes, there are, um, you know, a lot of doctors, especially male doctors, ha- treat female nurses like they are their uh, waitresses. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and I'm sure they don't teach you, well, I, I don't know if they teach you that in nursing school, maybe they mentioned things like that, but, um, but anyhow, but I want to know what it really, I want to give my listeners what it really feels like to be a nurse, both before COVID and during COVID. So take it away. Yes. So one of the things that most people don't know about nurses is that we, um, especially in hospitals, we are kicked at sometimes, we're spit at, we're told we don't know anything um, by patients sometimes, sometimes even by family members that are asking questions that we're trying to help um, oftentimes we're, we're nutrition deprived because we don't get a lunch because, you know, quite frankly, Dr. Carroll, nobody's coming around to relieve us. You know, if we walk away from our patients, that's patient abandonment. If they're critical and something can go wrong and we don't have coverage. So a lot of times, you know, we're running to the break room, grabbing a snack, grabbing a candy bar, you know, how, how nutritionist is that to hold us for 12 hours? So, you know, it's natural that sometimes these nurses, you know, they're two or three years in and then they're like, hey, I didn't sign up. I didn't sign up to be spit on and kicked and talked down to and not even get to eat for 12 hours. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's some of the things that's, that's going on. You know, um, since COVID has happened, you know, all of that time when we didn't have PPE, when all this time we were taught... You use, you know, the gown once, you use the N95, you know, one per each patient and it stays in the room and, you know, one face shield. And now they're saying, no, you can reuse them. Um, That was totally contradicting to everything we have been taught as nurses as far as sanitation protection. Um, You know, we have nurses that are going home and changing clothes in their garage because they don't want to expose their kids and their spouse. So it's very different. Yes, yes. Um, what do you do to uh, protect your husband? And I, I don't know if you have kids, but what do you do when you come home? You know, I try to keep my shoes off the carpet. I don't want to track that through the house. Um, and as far as, you know, 
putting my clothes immediately in the hamper um, so that I don't spread anything of that nature. Um, t- showering first, you know, getting anything mm-hmm. that might be on me off before I have contact with my husband. So, you know, those are things that now, that before we didn't have on our minds, and now we do. Not only are we going into work, you know, con- you know thinking about COVID protection, PPE, all of that, but then on the way home, it's still with us. It's still in our thoughts. We, it, you know, we can't just detach like we did before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what about, I know during the break you were saying that you don't, other than swabbing patients, you don't, uh, you're not on a COVID floor, but what are some of the things that you have been um, hearing or on social media seeing your, your friend nurses um, say about who are on the COVID floors? I had one nurse um, in particular. She's been a friend of mine for years. And, you know, she had to hold the patient's hand of somebody that was dying and that didn't have any family members. You know, that was, you know, during this process, we've had different restrictions on loved ones coming in. And this patient didn't have anybody there due to COVID. And she literally sat there and held their hand while they died. Um, mm. You know, that's, that's, you know, that breaks your heart. <laughs> that's hard to, that's hard to work a 12 hour shift and go home with that, you know, on your chest. Um, you know, whereas before somebody would have been able to come in, even if it was just, you know, calling the chapel in you know, the chaplain in to come in and, and sit with that patient. You know, there could have been another resource. Uh-huh. Um, yes, that is the saddest part of, of COVID and the, sad, and the hardest part for nurses um, to, to be, a, that the patients have to die alone. Um, right. And, and I, I know some nurses are, um, asking the patients ahead of time for who they want them to call and they're, you know, calling on their cell phone and at least letting the patient speak to some their loved ones. Yes. Um, but it's not the same. You know, it's just not the same as having them there. Right, right. So um, getting back to your, um, you know, your... Well, well, really, the question of why nurses are quitting. Let's talk about that. Um, t- tell us all the different reasons why there are more nurses quitting now. Like, there's a statistic um, that you say, um, let's see, within the first two years of practice, 33% of new nurses leave. Within the first two years, a third leave. I mean, of course, we know there's a right. nursing shortage, but that... That is really sad. So what are some of the reasons? You know, to, to be quite honest, when, when we're thinking about going to nursing school, <clears throat> and I remember for me, there's a lot that's, uh, that's sold. It's almost like the golden goose. You know, if you become a nurse, you've got job security, you've got all these different areas to practice, you've got different hours to choose from, and, you know, it's like you're being sold a bill of goods. Are those things true? Yes, they are. All of those are true. But what they don't tell you about are some of the different realities. You know, like, for example, if you're a nurse, everybody expects you to know everything about every area of the medical field. It doesn't matter if you're a pediatric nurse. 
um, friends, family, acquaintances, you know, they expect you to know everything about every area of practice, even though you may be trained just in one area. And, you know, Dr. Carroll, the way I have talked to people about it is you wouldn't expect a dermatologist to know about cardiothoracic surgery, so you can't expect mm-hmm. a nurse, you know, who's not on an oncology floor to know everything about cancer. That's just not realistic. But that's one of the things mm-hmm. that we face. You know, another thing we face is uh, the family members of patients. You know, they're there. They want to do what's best for their loved one. But oftentimes, what they want us to do or the treatments they want us to try, we can't do it for that patient. You know, like, for example, you know, I've had patients in the hospital before when I worked in the hospital and, you know, granny was in there for maybe pneumonia, but granny wasn't acting right. So they want granny to have an MRI while she's there. You know, while she's here, Mm -hmm. let's check X, Y, and Z. But insurance Mm -hmm. is different. It's changed. Medicare won't cover it just to check on that part of granny. If granny is in there for pneumonia, we have to do tests and procedures and treatment just related to pneumonia. So you can end Mm. up with a lot of, you know, family members being upset with you for no reason, for something that's not even your fault. Uh Uh-huh. So what do you do? Do you refer them to the doctor or or what do you do? You know, I just, I'm honest with them. I opt for um, honesty on every turn. And I just say, you know, according to insurance guidelines, Medicare guidelines, we can't do an MRI on her just because she's been, uh, you know, her memory's been worse lately at home. She's here for pneumonia, so mm-hmm. we can do IV antibiotics, we can do breathing treatments, we can do repeat chest X-ray for resolution or improvement of pneumonia, but that's outside the guidelines. And if we practice outside the guidelines, insurance companies will say that we can't, we can't provide care to Medicare patients. So, mm-hmm. and you know, and I say Medicare, but insurance companies follow pretty close along with the Medicare guidelines. So that's applicable whether it's commercial insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, they all follow some of the same principles. So I'm just honest with them. You know, we could get in mm-hmm. trouble if we do this. Uh-huh. What about, um, what part of nursing do you like the best? I like getting to sit down with my patients. I like getting to sit sit beside them, listen to what's going on. If I go to discharge them and they have tons of questions or, you know, they're scared or unsure about something, I like sitting there and taking a few minutes to really talk to them and answer their questions. You know, I think that's something that, you know, we're with the nursing shortage, we're so busy and so crazy and so hectic that that is something that I think patients are losing, that that one-on-one experience with the nurse where it's like, hey, my nurse is here talking to me. So that's something that mm-hmm. I really love about the profession. Mm-hmm. What's the part you like least? The part I like least is knowing that um, if it's busy, if it's a truly busy day, that I have to cut somebody short. I have to say, hey, uh-huh. I've got to get on to the next patient. I'm so sorry. I would love to talk to you more. And sometimes patients don't want to just talk about their health or their questions. They want to talk to you about, 
you know, the last vacation they took. They want to talk to you about their niece or nephew that's in nursing school or in med school and how they're so excited for them. But with nurses, Mm -hmm. we've got another patient, another task, another IV to start, another medication to give. And so some of those, you know, conversational moments we can't have. We have to cut those short. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, let's get back to other reasons. Well, I mean, I, those are some of the reasons. That's the reason why uh, some nurses are leaving, too. So you were saying um, because um, because of, of the fact that, uh, that they, you know, I mean, I guess is that one of the things that when people go to nursing school that um, they do have this overall idea that they're going to be able to sit by the patient's bedside and be compassionate and, and uh, like, take care of them, like I was talking about at the beginning. And then, and then is that one of the reasons why they leave? Because when they actually get out uh, and start working, that they realize how they don't have the time to take care of people in the way that they want? It's absolutely one of the, one of the reasons, you know, it's really misleading because during nursing clinicals, when nursing students are out in the hospital, they're following another nurse. It's very, you know, that nurse may be busy, but the nursing student is at a slower pace. And so, you know, it's kind of an oxymoron that you're not going to really know how it is until you're out there doing it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. but absolutely. Those, you know, those new nurses, they get out there and they're like, oh my goodness, I've got eight assessments to chart on these eight patients, plus I have morning meds, plus I have an IV to start, plus this other patient just had an accident. You know, you just don't get that in nursing school. You don't see it for yourself. Do you think, I mean, besides the, um, the solution of getting, there being more, more nurses so that there isn't such a shortage, um, but do you think nursing school should uh, tell nurses or maybe before someone goes to nursing school, like in the, in the interview um, or an orientation to say, listen, if you think, <laughs> you know, you're going to be doing this, this, and this, there's, you're going to be having less time for that and you're going to be having to do this, this, and this. I do. I think they should, I think there, there should be counselors that sit down with these nursing students and say, what do you think the nursing profession is? What do you think it's about? Uh-huh. What are you excited about? What are you scared about? And, you know, somebody just to have these conversations, because here's the thing. When we have new nurses that come out into the field, and we, as established nurses, take the time to precept these nurses and train these nurses, and then they don't last, it hurts everyone. Mm. It mm. hurts everyone. Yes, it, yes. It hurts Yes, you know, it hurts, it, it hurts the person that went to nursing school that now has the student loan. Um, it hurts the nurse preceptor that doesn't get that time back, that doesn't, you know, that has invested all that time in a new nurse. Um, the hospital's mm-hmm. paying double for the same amount of patients. They're paying the preceptor for those seven or eight patients, plus they're paying the new nurse. So it's a burden on these facilities. It hurts mm-hmm. everyone when it doesn't work out. Yes. All right. Well, we need to take another break. My guest is Nancy Congleton, Nurse Nancy. Um, We are talking about nurses, why they quit, what the job is really like, um, and so on. And we will come back with that. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today, why are nurses quitting when we need them most? Um, My guest is uh, Nancy Congleton. She's an RN. She's the author of Autopsy of the NT. Dissecting the nurse profession piece by piece. So we're talking about, um, she's taking us behind the scenes. We're talking about, now I, I keep telling you I want you to get more gritty, grittier. Um, <laughs> what about nurses who, you know, think that nursing is a great profession and they have these sort of um, fantasies about what it would be like and then they get there and they, they're having to do things like um, wipe patients um, after they uh, urinate and defecate in the bedpan or um, clean up their bed after they've had an accident or putting a catheter in or, you know, all of these very intimate kinds of um, things and some of them not quite um, aesthetically pleasing. Um, what, what do nurses say about that or how much does that affect them in terms of why they might leave? Well... I think they just either, you know, get over that hump or they wash out. You know, it is, um, it is an intimate uh, profession to where we do have to get up close and personal. And, you know, I've bit the inside of my lip before. I've bit the inside, you know, um, to kind of hold my expression in place, um, especially not necessarily now, but early on as a nurse. 
Um, you know, I remember in nursing school them playing videos of, you know, doing urinary catheters on men and women and all of that. And, you know, there being a a kind of a rush of giggles and blushed faces in the room while all those videos were playing. It is something to get over, but you kind of just have to say, this is a task and I'm going to do it and I'm going to get past it and then I'm going to go on. You know, you kind of just have to psych yourself out until you get used to it. (laughs) Mhm, mhm. Um, so what about what should people know um, going into the hospital and having a nurse? What what is how do you get the most <laughs> how do you get the most out of your nurse? How do you get the most um, the best care out of your nurse? Like what are some some of the do's and don'ts? Absolutely. One of the things is just saying thank you to your nurse. <laughs> goes a long way. It's simple, um, costs you nothing, but just saying thank you for your nurse, whether it's coming in, doing an assessment on you, you know, the morning daily assessment, giving you your medication, um, you know, thank you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you. The other thing is don't be constantly on the call lights. You know, don't be on the call (laughs) lights once an hour. If you, if you know when the nurse is in there that, um, that you need a snack or that you need to go up to the restroom, cluster your care, cluster your questions, your needs, um, so that you can say, hey, while you're in the room, can you please help me to the restroom? Or while you're in the room, um, I'm really hungry. I didn't eat much of my lunch because it was hideous or whatever. Can you please <laughs> give me a snack while you're in here? And that... That will make your nurse, you know, um, able to help you more if you cluster your your care, your needs with them. And then, mm-hmm. you know, another mm-hmm. thing, it's just don't be mad when they have to go. Don't be mad if they're in a panic and they're like, hey, I've got a patient down the hall and I've really got to go get to them. I'll be back to you. You know, don't hold that against that nurse. Let them go take care of that other patient and then let them come back to you. Uh-huh. Um, you know, sometimes it is really frustrating when, uh, I mean, if it's, if, if it's somebody who couldn't um, um, gather their, all their needs at once, which is a great idea, but, you know, sometimes patients, especially if they're sick, you know, if they're, um, if they're distracted with worrying about themselves or whatever, um, sometimes they don't always think that, and then it's so it's it can get so frustrating when you're pressing the button and nobody comes, especially like um, people who have to who want to go to the bathroom don't want to just urinate in the bed, you know, or um, right. and then if the nurse comes too late, then it's already they've already had an accident and they're embarrassed or you know it's uncomfortable that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um- it's just kind of, you know, it's a catch-22. I mean, with the nursing profession being short-staffed, um, and now with COVID, with all of the extra precautions that nurses are, you know, sometimes switching out PPE or having to, you know, take off multiple gloves and put on other gloves and come in, um, it just takes longer. It's taking longer mm-hmm. to get from one patient to the next because of all those precautions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, what about um, some legal issues that nurses have to face and maybe how that kind of makes some of them decide to leave the profession? 
Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things that I've seen, especially kind of with our current culture, is new nurses, it's kind of hard for them to realize that they can't talk about all their patients. You know, they can't uh, disclose information. They can't break HIPAA guidelines. You know, there's confidentiality that we have to keep. But we're in a very social, social culture right now. You know, it's just kind of natural to share things and talk about things. But, you know, being confidential about a patient, it doesn't matter if a patient's, you know, got pneumonia or an STD. We can't talk about them. You know, we can't share anything uh-huh. um, about them. And so that's something that, um, you know, new nurses, you know, kind of have, pro- have problems with is learning to, oh, I just can't talk about this. I can't talk about this in the elevator. I can't talk about this in the break room. There's just things that I can't talk about. I have to be careful now. And, you know, in a culture where we talk about everything, I really have to be careful about what I talk about. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's definitely one thing. And then, you know, with cases getting reviewed by attorneys, you know, if um, a patient has an accident or dies unexpectedly, if you didn't chart it as a nurse, if you didn't chart it, then you didn't do it. It didn't happen. And so, you know, mm-hmm. learning through your practice to be diligent and charting um, <clears throat> before you leave your shift, you know, not remembering something at home and then charting it the next day, but charting it during that shift so that you're protected. Um, You know, that's a Mm -hmm. big one. You know, it's almost like we constantly Mm -hmm. have to be on guard about, okay, I don't want to get sued. I don't want to get in trouble. What, what do I got to chart before I go home? Mm -hmm. Yes, because you never know (laughs) when there is going to be a malpractice case that has nothing to do with you. Was it your fault? But then when um, the records are gone through, I have to go through a lot of hospital records for uh, medical records and hospital records for, um, uh, as an expert witness. And um, sometimes the, the, you know, the most innocent of mistakes can have big consequences later on. Absolutely. Um, yep. And you know, if there's there not a record, other? you can't prove it. <laughs> right, right. Are there any other um, legal issues that are making nurses kind of think this is too much or I don't want to be doing this? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, prior to people getting out there and becoming nurses, they kind of think, you know, um, doctors write the orders, nurses carry them out. But the reality is that, yes, doctors and medical providers, they steer patient care, But nurses, we're front and center, and we don't just, you know, we're not puppets. We don't just take orders and follow them. You know, if a doctor writes an order for an antibiotic and that patient is allergic to it, good grief, we don't give it. You know, we don't follow along Mm -hmm. blindly. You know, we go to that doctor and we say, hey, you ordered an antibiotic and this patient is allergic to, you know, that um, that line of antibiotics, um, what, what else do you want me to give? And what's interesting and what mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that is that even though it's the doctor who ordered it, if the patient's allergic to it and the nurse gives it, it comes back on the nurse, not the doctor. Mm. Because mm. the nurse is the one who gave the medication that could harm the patient, not the doctor. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that, you know, in nursing school – is not drilled in, those thinking about becoming a nurse, they don't realize, you know, and, e- and even, you know, years ago, there was somebody in my extended family that said, oh, nursing, nursing profession is a great profession. All nurses do is pass bills. 
oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be nice that we didn't have to think and use our brain and advocate? And, and you know, I even had a, a doctor one time order something on a pediatric patient, and it was above the recommended dose. It wasn't that there was anything wrong with the medication, but she had prescribed too much. And so I literally had to take the drug book to her and say, I'm not trying to cause problems or, or upset you, but you ordered this, and that's against the, the guidelines for the amount for this pediatric patient. You know, uh-huh. nurses, we have to do stuff like that all the time. <laughs> and sometimes the doctors aren't thrilled <laughs> to be exactly. corrected. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, you know, from from this has been very interesting because um, I'm sure my listeners can see and can hear <laughs> that um, that nurses. I mean, there is so much. Um, as you said, it's not just about passing pills, and especially today in COVID, it's it's a lot more. It's basically putting your life on the line, and. Um, and I, I think there does need to be more appreciation for nurses and, and a better expectation, a more realistic expectation of what their job is and just how much they're doing. And, yes, it would be really nice if more people went to nursing school and decided to become nurses. Well, let me... It would. Our time is up. <laughs> our time is up. And let me, um, uh, again, tell people the name of your book, which is Autopsy of the NP, dissecting the, nursing, dissecting the Nurse Profession Piece by Piece. And again, my guest is Nancy Congleton, uh, Nurse Nancy, and you see people would be very lucky to have you as a nurse, quite obviously. So thank you so oh, much for too kind. being thank on the you. show. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 